previously on Lost. Um, um, it, um, and you know, some of the songs aren't too black. Uh, 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 I am enjoying this scene. Yes, get over it. At number five for the worst or at least the most disappointing albums of 2022, I'm going to put Iced Earth in here with a narrative soundscape. It's technically not a real recording, I guess you could say. Um, it's it's just more of a re-release, a re-recording of a few of the tracks that they have released in their past with a narrative soundscape by John Schaffer. Now, I feel like this is kind of like, I need to release an album quickly to pay for my legal bills because we all know what happened to John Schaffer. And if you don't know, he was part of those um, little riots in DC, got arrested, actually has an outstanding warrant. I think it's still waiting to be served as he fled to Florida. So, absolutely guarantee Ice Earth is not coming back. The band pretty much split up after his arrest and with John Schaffer on the run almost from the law and not being extradited, guarantee we will not see Ice Earth ever again. The band, at least, or whoever the management is, have done some decent effort to you know, try to release some live recordings, and um, there's, a, there's a live recording, sorry, there's a re-recording, I should say, of Dante's Inferno recently, which is very good, I liked it, um, but when you go to the narrative soundscape, it's, ugh, it's, it's just disgusting, <laughs> you know, we're going to take these songs that have already been released on previous albums, we're going to slow it down, and just put spoken words on there, and it, it's kind of like, Looking down the pit of despair um, for how far John has truly gone, you know, it's kind of scary with his kind of Oath Keep status. So, you know, they've done all their songs like Dante's Inferno, Wolf, uh, Dracula, Ravenwing, Angel's Holocaust, etc, etc, etc. You know, it's like 15 tracks long and the thing goes for, you know, 70 odd minutes. But if you really want to know, if you want, if you want a better understanding of this album, or at least their works... Go and listen to their works, not this. You know, if I want to listen to Declaration Day, I'm going to go and listen to the actual song Declaration Day. I don't want to hear Dante's Inferno, a narrative soundscape. I want to hear the bloody 20-minute long metal masterpiece that is that song. So, thoroughly disappointing. What the fuck were you thinking kind of moment. Terrible. Just skip. I think even the whole Ice Earth community can agree this is a terrible album. So the number 5 spot for my top 10 favourite albums of 2022 goes back to Porcupine Tree with Closure and Continuum. Or Closure Continuum, however way you want to pronounce it. Now I know in my review I did initially say something like 5 million or something chilies for that and that I would come back to this. Well, consider this me coming back to it. <laughs> so with this one, it is a fantastic album. It's almost a bit bittersweet still that Porcupine Tree's last album is going to be this but I think they've done a fantastic effort here. You know, they've kind of stemmed between both their older sounds, but their newer sounds, when I say newer sounds, I mean from the early 2000s at least, with the metal and, you know, progressive elements. So they've done, you know, this fantastic blend of it, and it shows a very progressive, of course, sound with the band changing over time. You know, pun intended, I guess, they are a prog rock band. So, yes, it's, it's fantastic to hear all these influences change within the band, 
I mean, obviously, Stephen Wilson's probably one of the most underrated guitarists of all time, I would dare say. You know, um, even musician, to be honest. I think his works are just amazing, from his solo career to Porcupine Tree, um, as well as his recordings with, you know, several other major musicians. You know, he did the productions on stuff like Opeth and re-recordings of Yes in their earlier works. So he's, he's, you know, he's a very acclaimed artist. He, he knows his way around music, of course, lives and breathes the thing. God, I would love to talk to that guy. He would have some incredible stories, you know. Uh, and this album in particular, right from start to finish, is just near perfect, to be perfectly honest. And, you know, Harridan, good single. Um, you know, it's the main single from the album, and I, I like it. But I find a lot of other tracks a lot better than the um, Harridan. Still, very great song. You know, I kind of wish, though, that this album did have the single which they released earlier. I think it was Glass Shattering or something like that. And it, it was just a... It was a very ambient piece, like less than two minutes or something. I really wish they included that on the album, either at the start or the finish, to kind of wind down, if you will. I, I really feel like it would have been a perfect way if they inclu- included that on the album. So, yeah, of the new day, Rats Return, um, Hurt Culling, you know, fantastic tracks, Dignity, but of course, my favourite from the album, Chimera's Wreck, which is just this you know, swinging pendulum of time signatures, it just changes and shifts, going back and forth, and eventually, you know, the guitar loops in with the um, with the rhythm section, and it's, I mean, look, if you did a musical breakdown on it, you could probably go through the time signature changes to the extent of, um, you know, Gajira's drum beats at the beginning of, um, oh god, what's the name of that? track of theirs sorry i've had an absolute mental blank but you know just an absolute it it was a long timed out signature is what i'm trying to make the point about really so yes chimera's wreck an absolute fantastic track and i think it deserves a lot more respect than what it gets in regards to it you know population three another great track there love in the past all these things so like i said for this album and it's an original you know um records i think i said five million i will probably re-rate this something close to like 8.5 million chilies i think it's that good of an album i really do uh, would I've, I've done a porcupine tree list of worst to best albums and I highly recommend you also check that out in regards to how I rank all their previous works and such so you know if you're a porcupine tree fan please do check out that video and if you haven't checked out my review in regards to closure continuum also check that out because once again just just a great album great way to close out a fantastic chapter in Stephen Wilson and co um, and their you know career in regards to that I would love to see what else Stephen Wilson has in the future for his solo career because uh, you know four and a half and a few of his other works there were just you know um, absolutely incredible uh, albums I didn't particularly like his more recent stuff which you know dwelled into weird electronics and stuff but you know, I digress. It's it, he's still a very interesting musician who just, I mean, just wants to change up his style, do different things from time to time. And I, you know, I feel like all these solo albums are very well done. You know, I, I just don't see much dull notes in regards to that musician. He's incredible. So yeah, that's how I feel about it. Go check out that if you like your prog rock. <clears throat> you know, yes, um, Pink Floyd, that kind of stuff. Maybe Opeth if you're liking their 
you know, more less heavy side of Opeth, I mean, the acoustic-y, rocky sound of them. Um, but yeah, Porcupine Tree, Closure, Continuum, fantastic album. Where's our friend? The number four spot for my worst or most disappointing albums is going to go to Midnight Oil's album Resist. And yes, when it comes to political ideologies, you can see this is vastly different to, say, Aaron Lewis. So, take that, people who disapprove of my views in regards to that. You know, I'll leave politics aside, this is just music after all. Now, Midnight Oil, it pains me again to say, is another another band, sorry, that is just absolutely incredible. I love their back catalogue, you know, all the way up to pretty much the mid-90s. After that, it kind of gets very hit and miss, and, well, more miss than hit, I should say. There's some gems in there, I feel, but, you know, obviously they can't really recapture that sound that they had in the 80s, especially in today's society. It might have worked to a degree with the you know renaissance of the 80s sounds but i don't think their 80s sounds was the type that would really work under the renaissance so i mean i all did this album and it was just like like i said in my review you know there was a massive political tension at the time i think we were coming up to even a election close to around this time it was february last year uh, sorry this year February last year by the time this video comes out that is coming out and we're facing an election coming up soon so I was a bit surprised to see maybe they didn't take it in a much more harder direction especially with their views and the, uh, the band's prior uh, influences in regards to political messages and look it's a band that is kind of difficult to get into you know their nuanced politics or Australian politics is very narrowing you know they had some great songs with Beds Are Burning of course I think that was their only number one song across the world I uh, could be mistaken but I'm pretty sure that's the only number one they had across the globe and you know they're a cultural phenomenon I guess within Australia everyone does know Midnight Oil and Peter Garrett of course doing his fantastic dances even entering politics at one point you know and but uh, yeah when it comes to this album it it's just mediocrity at best you know a whole bunch of just down tempo songs and I understand fully you know, they lost the rhythm section. The drummer had passed away, I think, around about the time of this album, or just a year or so before. So, it, you know, it's a bit disappointing to... Wait, did I say drummer? No, sorry. I meant the bassist. Full-on apology there to Rob Hurst. Uh, but, yeah, the bassist had passed away um, probably about a year or two before. Uh, Bones. And, yeah, I mean, yeah, Rob Hurst is an absolute powerhouse behind the drum kit, but it's a bit lost here, you know, and... Yeah, at the end of the day, um, a massive band to see come around and do a reunion and even a new album just to come back and just release this is just tarnishing their image at this stage. You know, it's just a blight upon a bunch of records that they had fantastic efforts on. I mean, look, you know, their last couple of albums, I guess, could be described as that too. So it's real, it's not really a blemish, but you're really tarnishing the image by releasing this album, I feel. You know, even their previous album just two years ago was better than this one. So, anyway, it is what it is, however. And, yeah, it just it just failed to land, and I have not even gone back to this album. I couldn't find many songs to really find myself replaying over and over again. So, unfortunate, but that's where Minot all sits on my list. Yeah. 
the number four spot for my top 10 favorite albums of 2022 is going to go to Night Parade of 100 Demons by Earthless, an absolute fantastic album, a jam really, and it's real long bloody tracks. You know, there are there's three tracks and it clocks in at just over 60 minutes long, so it gives you an idea of the averages, 20 minutes a song almost. You know, I love my love song, I love my long songs, I should say. And these ones really hit the mark. So you've got night, of course, the title track, Night Parade of Hundred Demons, Part One and Two, making up very, very long track there, of course. And Death to the Red Sun, an absolute banger there as well. But the Night Parade of One Hundred Demons just shows this band and what their capabilities are. I think Earthless is, you know, fastly rising above, you know. Um, an artist of something that I found probably about two years ago. They're fastly rising the ranks um, as to one of my favorite musicians. They've just got incredible works in their back catalog there, which just divulge into this kind of psycho progressive uh, prog rock elements, spacious, you know, it's tick, 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 tick. Yep, I like all that. And they just do these incredible spacious jams, you know, there's. You listen to, um, I think there's a live album they did live at like, Red Rock, I think think um sorry just one second while i try and find that one but it's like three tracks again or something like that live from the mojave uh, desert three tracks there just three tracks you know uh violence of the red sea sonic prayer lost in cold uh lost in the cold sun and they're just fantastic little jamming pieces you know this is a band that fully understands each other gets along and just nails it you know this trio absolutely incredible to listen to and night parade of 100 demons fantastic to hear i would love to see this in a live setting to see how far they move and how far they push these boundaries because you know there's some absolute incredible movements within those songs that just go on and i, I when i say on i don't mean like it just drags on i mean it it's well deserved of the time spent listening to this this is the type of album you sit there and listen to on a long drive if you just want to get lost within the music you know from a, what could be possibly a boring drive it passes the driving test in other words so yes fantastic album night parade of 100 demons if you enjoy that kind of stoner psychedelic prog rock sound highly recommend checking them out the band's fantastic uh fantastic taste in music as well you know i follow them on instagram they're always posting musicians that they look up to and posting fantastic records to listen out to and i'm using the word fantastic too many times now but mm, so be it and yeah they are just incredible taste in music and you know it really shines through on this album i think it's just probably one of their best albums they've put out i feel Number three worst albums for 2022, and this one's a very late entry because I only just found out about this album while I was doing the editing for it, but Fly Soldier, they released an album called Seventeen, and they released it actually back in May, I kind of wish I did a review on it, but I'm happy that I didn't. Look, they're a terrible bunch of musicians, I've already done like my review on Island Boy. The little freestyle rap that they did, uh, very unimaginative crew, very subpar lyrics, just TikTok trend. Lucky that it picked up, you know, it's one of those car crash type of things, and they're just gone with it. Uh, very, their music's just very complacent, plays it safe, 
auto-tuned to the shit house, and the beats are just so simple. They just try to go for that TikTok sound. There's just nothing to it. It's so generic that even generic music sounds good compared to it. It's just terrible. The only reason that they're famous is because of that infamy that they had regarding their previous freestyle. Because I'm an island. <laughs> so avoid at all costs. What's understood don't need to be explained. The number three spot for my top 10 favorite albums of 2022 is going to go to a very recent album actually, which is Elders Innate Passage. And I just did a review on this very recently. Recommend you check that one out as well. But an absolute jam again. This follows along the lines of, say, Earthless, where they got that stoner psychedelic prog rock elements within. And just a truly spacious guitar, you know, lets it breathe within. It's not overly heavy, this album. And it just goes on well you know. but there are heavy of course songs in this you know with merged in dreams for example reaching some frantic pacing within the track so you know it does have some incredible bangers in there uh but it's music to get lost on it passes the driving test again it's definitely going to be an album that i'm going to be playing for a long time and it sees the band raised in several ranks um up there with you know one of my favorite new bands to be listening to anyway you know reflections of a floating world was the first album i kind of started listening to with sanctuary and a few of the tracks following but i never fully listened to it never fully got into them but you know this one's kind of got me as a blip as oh god this this is real good this is some good stuff I gotta watch this band. Um, they've been around for I think 15 years now. Uh, released a couple of albums here and there. They've even got a live record, I believe, or it could be just a single song. Endless Return. Looks like it's also taken from a photo of the Mojave Desert there. Uh, possibly same recording as Earthless. I could be wrong there. Anyway, if someone wants to correct me, please point it out. But yes, just this incredible album here within that passage. Uh, just from start to finish, I think the whole album is incredible. You know, Catastasis, uh, Endless Return, the lead single from this album, uh, Coalescence, Merged in Dreams, and of course the finish of the purpose. Uh, from start to finish, 50 minutes, just a bit over, and just an incredible voyage to be listening to these songs. Very gifted musicians, obviously on hand. You know, and it's 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 a fantastic listen to. It's it's great to hear this band. Really good, really pleasurable. The taste is red and Number two for my top ten worst, almost disappointing albums of 2022 is quite personable to me. And it's The End So Far by Slipknot. And no, this album isn't horrible, but at the end of the day, it just really let me down. It was just such a, it was a bit of a disappointing album. And again, it really did sit, it's because I had such a high benchmark for a band like Slipknot. You know, they've got such a huge following and a rabid fan base, you know, and especially considering that back in like 2019, they released We Are Not Your Kind, probably one of their best records in almost 15 years, I feel, maybe even since Iowa. And, you know, they, look, they set the bar extremely high. They do with all their records, really, and they've always nailed it. And it's one of those bands that you can say have never released a bad record. And the end so far isn't a bad record, but it's just very disappointing. It's an album I haven't found myself going back to. You know, I haven't replayed it since my reviews, really. 
I think maybe except for maybe the Chapel Town Rag, but it's very similar to, at least for me, the .5 Grey Chapter, which was an album that I just didn't like at the time. Um, it was just a bloated album, I felt, .5 I'm referring to here. Uh, it was a very bloated album, too long, too much, and should have been cut, cut down. With this album, I feel its production is probably the worst part. It's a band that requires cohesion and put all together in one room to discuss what they're going to do. But with this album, it was a band that found themselves in a very dire situation because during lockdowns, the band couldn't really get together and nut out the nuances with this album. So they instead obviously required on a few video calls, conferences, but you know, for a band of nine musicians, you really do require that everyone be in the same room discussing what is going to be the end goal. <clears throat> so what you have instead of the end so far is an album which is sporadic. It, it just is so it doesn't have a focused point it doesn't have a focused feel and at the end of the day it just doesn't deliver unfortunately i was talking to arlon park podcast in regards to how he felt regarding this album and i think he best summed it up that he felt utterly disappointed with this you know it is an album that once again it, it's got some really good tracks on it but then it's a really forgettable album at the same time which is quite an insult for Slipknot and their fans, but it just doesn't really... It, it hasn't stood... It, yeah, for the, for the short time I guess it's been around, it hasn't stood very well. You know, I, I think when you look back in Slipknot's discography years from now, people will point at this album and say, yeah, they probably shouldn't have released this, they probably should have scrapped it and tried starting again after lockdowns. And, I, you know, even Jim Root's come out on record and saying... He didn't particularly like recording this album. He doesn't like this album per se, uh, which is kind of Jim Rudin to a degree. <laughs> He's very much like that. But, you know, he, he just didn't feel comfortable with what is the end result. <clears throat> and I think a band that comes out or a musician that comes out in regards to a release, you know, so fresh and comes out and says, I'm not particularly happy of this, that's a big warning. It's a massive red flag. So... Look, hopefully they do better uh, in the future and for future releases, but we'll wait and see. Uh, we've got Knotfest coming up this year, I think March. I've forgotten the date. So hopefully I'll be able to see them then and, you know, hopefully they won't perform too much from the end so far. I would love to hear more from We Are Not Your Kind at the end of the day. Uh, and there'll be a lot of musicians there as well. Uh, bands like Megadeth and Co. So, yeah, that'd be really cool to see. I think Spirit Box as well will be joining them in that lineup. So it'd be really cool to see that festival if I can. The number two spot for my top 10 albums of 2022 goes to The Garden, Horseshit on Route 66. This album was such an incredible find, I can't believe how I just stumbled across it. You know, one day I was just listening to Spotify, and then it said, hey, have you heard this album? I remember looking at the cover thinking, what the hell is this? It looks like something from the 90s, you know? It's just got this weird vintage look to the cover, and of course with people in you know death masks well not death masks but they look like you know sting the wrestler with holding a rickenbacker guitar there and i'm like this is just the weirdest shit i've ever seen so yes i will listen to it and i am so glad i went in pressed play played the album from start to finish which doesn't take long by the way it's like 30 minutes long 
and it's even less than that, it's 25 minutes. But yeah, I'm so glad I listened to it start to finish and then nutted out my entire um, review for that in one day. It just drove, it, my passion for that album just drove me to do a script for it all in like one hour. It was the fastest review I've ever written and it's one of my most successful reviews I've ever recorded as well. I think as of recently it just passed the 666 hour mark on um, watch views so yep that's got to be a sign and it's got something like 1500 views on that one so it's probably one of the biggest surprises I had for when I recorded this episode and I kind of figured uh, this is a band that doesn't have that many followers I'm probably won't get that many views but I'm surprised. <laughs> I'm so surprised. Just like the, just like hearing the music, I am very surprised and um, absolutely impressed by what has come from it. So, what is it? It's Vada Vada. It's it's like synth punk. It's it it's the future of punk rock. I feel, and it's the most punk I've ever heard in the last ten years. You know, it's just so different, vibrant, and refreshing at the same time. You know, the Garden, I feel like this is the Garden's best work. I've only listened to one of their other albums so far, which is Mirror Might Steal My, uh, sorry, Mirror Might Steal Your Charm, but I do plan on going down and listening to, sorry, I, I meant Kiss My Super Bowl Ring is what I heard. Um, no, sorry, Kiss My Super Bowl Ring is what I'm going to listen to next. But Horseshit on Route 66, I feel is probably their best works, and I think many fans would also agree with me on that work, on that one. You know, OC93, Freight Yard, Horseshit on Route 66, of course. Uh, everything there. Orange County, uh, Punk Rock Legend. And they just cover so much variety of music there. Yes, they've got synth punk, but then it goes into sections where it's almost hardcore. And it's so weird. It's, it's awesome. It's an incredible uh, album to listen to. And I feel that if you're into something eclectic, something odd, you know, almost like... Um, I guess indie meets punk rock. <laughs> this is probably for you. It's just got that eclecticism that took my eye, and I'm so glad I stumbled across this band. I am so glad. You know, absolutely incredible album by the lads. They've done very well. They deserve all the kudos that they got with this album. Can't suggest it highly enough, really. Highly recommend you go check out The Garden, Horseshit on Route 66. One of the best finds I've had this year. My number one spot is actually going to be a tie, so it's going to be an interesting one here. For both best and worst album of 2022, the Mars Volta's album, The Mars Volta. And what I mean by that, sorry, worse would be the wrong word. It would actually be more like uh, disappointing again. But this album is both the best and the most disappointing album I have heard for this year. It's so hard, I guess, to define it. It, it breaks away so much from their previous style. It really does. And it's so um, gutting as a long-term fan to be listening to this album and just shaking my head going what the heck is this this is nothing like their old material but of course an album sorry a band isn't going to change over the times you know they were 
inactive for like 10 years. You know, Omar Rodriguez probably recorded, you know, 50 albums since then. Um, I probably won't be lying when I said that. He does a lot of solo albums every year. A shit ton of them. So, you know, yes, during those times he changed as a musician and reflected upon his times. And um, I think he even got out of Scientology during that time and really had time to reflect. Now, I also say it's the best because despite the changes, I really did enjoy this album. You know, Black Light Shine is just a great song that grew on me over time. Graveyard Love, again, you know, uh, Blank Condolences. Just every time I listen to one of these tracks on a replay, you know, when it comes up on, say, a random playthrough, I'm just like, oh, damn, what is this I'm listening to? It's so cool. Uh, oh, it's the Mars Volta. It might be Palm Full of Crux, you know, this random song I forgot about. But, you know, at the same time, it's just... it's again so disappointing that it doesn't follow down the path that we expected it as fans and i do cover this on one of my episodes where you know i mean before i listened to this album i had not heard octahedron so that'll give you a little bit of insight in regard despite a massive fan i am i had not heard octahedron i barely played nocturnicate and i just hated that album sorry to say but yeah when i went um, when I was doing this album and I was doing a few reactions as well people were telling me you've got to listen to Octahedron there's some absolute bangers of course from Octahedron that you should go back and listen to sorry and you know there, there was and I think uh, Teflon sorry that's what I was mental blank absolute mental blank you know and th- there was this light bulb moment I guess after after doing my review on their recent album the self-titled album to going back and then listening to Octahedron in preparation to doing my retro review on that episode you know um, there was this moment where it was like oh suddenly this makes a lot more sense why they've shifted their style you know because Nocturnica was such electronic and whatever sound it was just so very odd I didn't know why or how or when the shift was so you know going from the self-titled album or sorry going from octahedron to the self-titled album makes a lot more sense in hindsight and i feel like i said on the review i feel like i came across it at the exact right time you know uh, hindsight's always 2020 isn't it so if you haven't checked out my retro review for octahedron highly recommend that you go and listen to that now but yes, the Mars Volta's self-titled album is both the best album in, or the last, I should say, on the best albums or favorite albums of 2022, but also the most disappointing album from 2022. So it's a funny little uh, way to s- sign off this list, you know, in regards to uh, coming through to the new year 2023. But yep, that's how I feel. I, I, you know, it's been out now for a couple of months, and I still can't come to a conclusion. And I think that kind of speaks volumes to the musicians as well, you know, to show what a fantastic effort that they have done with the with their music, that it still leaves you perplexed, wondering, and thinking about it. You know, uh, not often do you get that with music, especially these days, I feel, you know, you get too many albums, too much access to music, and everything just you just play through it skip play skip you know next track next album next artist that you want to find out about and then it just becomes nothingness almost but if an album stays in your mind even if it's for the bad reasons i I feel (laughs) well good and bad reasons i should say then i feel it might be 
actually a very good album in hindsight. And I feel probably down the tr- down the line next year I might have come to a better conclusion. But as of recording this episode, I still don't know where I sit in the fence. I, I'm, I'm between the both of them. It is both the best and the most disappointing album I thought of 2022. So yeah, that's that's my list, I guess, uh, in regards to the albums, the most intriguing albums that I found from 2022, the best albums I thought, at least in my opinion, and at the same time the worst and most disappointing albums. Most of them, of course, were disappointments, not necessarily bad, just disappointing in my eyes, uh, but there were, of course, some terrible albums amongst the mix there, you know, Kid Rock and Papa Roach and stuff like that. Um, of course, there were some okay albums on that list with Slipknot. I still think it's okay, but it's just it was just disappointing, you know, and unfortunately, that's why it made that list. At the end of the day, this is just my list. You know, you guys might have a list that you're thinking of. Hell, let me know below what you thought. What was your favorite album? What was your worst album? Right below. Tell me what you guys think overall. And as always, I'm glad that you can join us for 2023. If you haven't subscribed yet, please consider doing so, leaving a like on this video as well. Join us for the new year. We're doing new videos every Friday. Uh, We'll be streaming, I should say, every Friday. There might be a little bit of a break uh, in the January period, but I will be back and with more vinegar in February, of course. So, we've got lots of new music to go through. We'll be having lots of interviews and talking with lots of people regarding more music. So, everything you love about music, we're all up for it. And as always, everyone, you have a great day. Stay spicy. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Live Listener Race. And if you have enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with all your friends. Don't forget to subscribe to our Chili Con Carnage crew so you can get notified for all the future videos that we put out as we put out videos every Friday. Also, we are on Discord, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter over at Live Listener Race, so make sure to tune in over there. And don't forget to like this video so that our manager can stay very happy.